Welcome to Tres Cuentos at a Time. Today we start with a new series on mythology. Like the Greek gods, the gods in the native Meso and South American cosmos had flaws, suffered jealousy, had ambitions and problems just like common people. However, despite their nature, they taught the people important lessons in agriculture, cycles of life, sacrifice for the greater good, and even science. The following Tres Cuentos will explore jealousy, ambition, boredom, greed, and hate. My name is Carolina Quiroga-Stoltz, and I invite you now to pay careful attention to the following cuento, so it does not happen to you. The myth that I am about to share with you comes from the book Puro Mexicano, Lore and Legends from South of the Border, edited by J. Frank Doby, published by the Texas Folklore Society. This story was retold by Catherine J. Stoker, and she heard this story in the state of Zacatecas, Mexico. <laughs> The Flaming Flower Long time ago, the land of the Chichimec people was full with jade, opals, turquoise, and gold. Their fields full of golden corn and their rivers full of fish. For they had been following the teachings of the kind-hearted God, Tezcatlipoca, who taught them how to till the land, how to cut the stone to make temples, how to weld copper and bend the iron. Goodness ruled everywhere. Until Tezcatlipoca was defeated by Mishklantecultli, the lord of darkness and lost souls. <laughs> now Tezcatlipoca had to leave, but before, he promised that he would return. Somehow after he left, the songs of the birds were not sweet anymore. The blue sky was now gray all the time. Indifference and sadness ruled. Xolotl, the king, who had seen how sad and indifferent his people were, thought for nights, and at last he had a plan. He called his wise men and priest and said, Moon 
have passed. And we wait and we watch for Tezcatlipoca's return. And in the meantime, the hands of our people hang in indifference. The crops give little harvest. And our weakest neighbors come for our protection. For wakeful nights, my heart has sunk in sorrow, watching the apathy of our people. Once, our land was the fairest, our men the strongest, our women the most skillful weavers, and our gold was enough. But now, now I fear that we, we face danger in this indifference, and danger must be met with danger. Now, at this point, everybody in the room began to say something like, mm-hmm. Oh, we should hear him. Yes, 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 yes. Those are wise words. He has a point. <laughs> I agree with him. Xochalotl mm-hmm. continued. Before, Mishklantecultli's powers were only in one place, the underworld. But now, they are everywhere. And I wonder if Mishklantecultli will not give us his aid, will not guide us on how, how to lift this danger that has fallen upon us. Now at this point, everybody is terrified because Shalotl's suggestion meant treason to the memory of the kind-hearted god, Tezcatlipoca. But Shalotl wasn't done. Quiet, wise men. Quiet, priest. Sit down. Have I not called you for counsel? And have you not thought, what is the end to be? What is the end of this hurtful weight? The end of these ghostly fears that surround us every night. We were a grand nation. We were meant to last. We were meant to be powerful. We were meant to be great. But what is of us now? We wait and we watch for Tezcatlipoca's return. And in the meantime, we are lost and misguided. What is of us now? Long they counsel. And at last, they agreed to meet Mishklantecultli. The day came, and they journeyed long through the bowels of the earth, through narrow and dimmed corridors, until they finally reached Mishklantecultli's court. <laughs> Welcome to my kingdom. Speak your needs. O oh, great Mishklantecultli, we have come 
to ask you for your help on how to solve our problems. <laughs> your problems, your problems shall, be shall be my problems. But why should I help you? My name has never been worshipped. You have been following the teachings of Tezcatlipoca. And now, I wonder, after so much devotion, why did he leave you? Oh, great Miss Clantecultli, we know not. We were a grand nation, and we desire for our men and our armies to be the strongest. Our women to be pale and beautiful. And our gold to be endless. Teach us, great Mishklantekultli, how, how to be supreme. <laughs> Speak no more. And in that moment, Mishklantekultli reached into his pocket and pulled out a seed. This seed will give you what you ask of me. But it has a price. You and your people must swear allegiance to me. You and your priest must worship me. Only then you can be the possessor of this blessed seed and the harvest that you desire. Well, the oath was sworn and the seed was taken and planted. The next day, Shalotul got up and he went to the milpas, to the fields. Among the long rows of golden corn. Right there, a strange plant had grown, and it was bearing a flaming flower. A shalotl amazes by the sight. The flower bloomed. But in that moment, from the east, came shouts of <laughs> pain. From the west came shouts of <laughs> anger. From the north came shouts of Victory. And from the south. Por favor, señor. Por favor, don't take my mama. Por favor, don't take my papa. Where peace had reigned. Where brother had loved and tolerated brother. Now, there was only pain, suffering, greed and hate.
They who will hunt with reeds dance with the people. May our flowered magic be strengthened. May we be intoxicated together, oh my nephews. Where there is precious water, it foams. We intoxicated ourselves. Mexicas, Chichimecas, I remember it and weep. I, Nezahualpilli, weep. I shall go to some place where the flower of war blooms, I remember, and I weep. And that, my friends, it's how the Chichimec people explain how hate came into their world. Y colorín colorado, este cuento se ha acabado. Very well, friends. It's about time to talk about the historical and mythical background of the story. Let's begin with the book The Aztec System of Domination, the Tepanic Empire, written by Carlos Santamarina Novillo, published by La Fundación Universitaria Española, Madrid, 2006. The author tells us that we could consider a story that contains supernatural elements to be a myth and, therefore, doubt about its veracity, whereas in the case of stories that do not contain extraordinary elements, we could assume that it is a real story. However, the reality is far more complex than that, because in some cases, traditional narratives were passed down, avoiding mentioning extraordinary or religious aspects to make the story more appealing to Hispanic audiences. Let's remember that many of the first sources that described the cultures that were encountered in the New World were Spanish soldiers or friars or natives that had learned the Latin alphabet and translated their stories. In other cases, we have the opposite scenario in which historical narrations were adorned with mythical elements, but in the beginning, they were inspired by real elements or events. For instance, the myth that you just heard has a mythological structure. First, they tell us about a god, a good god, that abandoned his people, and a king who feels he must go to the underworld to ask for Mishklantecultli's help, which of course will result in the spread of hate in the Chichimecas world. All these elements could indicate that this story is not real, except for the character of Xolotl. According to the facts, 
that I will be sharing with you later. This character did exist. Now the difficulty is to figure it out. When did he leave, and who exactly was this King Xolotl? Was it the legendary Chichimec leader that led the first tribe out of the caves, or was it the Sosomok, a Chichimec Tepanek leader that called himself Xolotl just to claim direct ancestry from the legendary leader? And decades before the Aztecs became an empire, the Sosomok waged war against the descendants of the legendary first Xolotl, just to impose his own empire, the Tepanek Empire. In the book, The Process of Cultural Assimilation of the Chichimecas of Xolotl, by Miguel León Portilla, published in the magazine Studies on the Nahuatl Culture. The author tell us that for good or bad, those who historically were considered barbarians could also be considered transformational forces to those who were more culturally or technologically advanced. The clash between barbarians against those more developed cultures brought catastrophes and, of course, misfortune, but also transformed both worlds. Among those that left a historical footprint in Europe and Asia were the Germanic tribes and the Mongols. In Mesoamerica, those who were labeled as barbarians were the Chichimecs, who were also called popolocas, a pejorative term that means barbarian, due to their predilection of hunting and eating raw meat because they did not know the fire. However, far from destroying or threatening a civilization, what they did was to adopt and absorb a highly developed civilization that was in decadence, that is, the Toltecs. Over time, the Chichimecs became the rightful heirs of the Toltec Empire and gave birth to the last splendor of the pre-Hispanic era, the Tepanec Empire and later the Aztec Empire. The Aztecs tell a very ancient story about their origins in which their ancestors came out of caves. Different tribes left the caves at different times, and the Aztecs were the last ones. The first ones who emigrated from the caves were the legendary Chichimex of Xolotl. This visionary man guided his people to Tula, the capital of the Toltec Empire. According to some of the sources from the descendants of this first tribe, their ancestors arrived in Tula in the year of 1179, but found the place abandoned. Nevertheless, there is a shadow of doubt over this claim, because those who told this story to the Spaniards knew that the king of Spain 
would only validate their claim over the lands if those lands had been inherited and not conquered by force. So it looks like it was in their best interest to say that the legendary leader had arrived at a deserted land. Whatever the real reason was, the Chichimecs were able to settle and establish their first capital in Tenayuca. It is also important to clarify that the Toltecs spoke one language, that is Nahuatl, whereas the newcomers spoke different languages. Nevertheless, over time, Nahuatl became the most spoken language in all Mesoamerica. In addition, Miguel León Portilla offers a comparison between the Germanic tribes and the Chichimecs that give us an idea of how similarly both groups were perceived. The Roman writer Tacito said, when the Germanic tribes were not causing war, they were hunting, and if not, they were wondering that they did not have cities and lived separately and dispersed. Also, that they would open underground caves and dress with the skin of beasts. When the Chichimecs of Xolotl settled in the lake area that provided good fish and its mountains offered an abundance of game, they chose to ignore the ruins of all the past harvested crops and all the old irrigation systems that the Toltecs had built. Indeed, those first Chichimecs of Xolotl were nomadic hunters and were not interested, at least not yet, in agriculture. During Xolotl's reign, migratory waves of other Chichimecs arrived and asked for refuge or simply for the opportunity to settle down. Among those were the Tepanecs, Otomíes, and Alcolguas. Xolotl welcomed them and sponsored marriage alliances with the leaders of those tribes. With the birth of Xolotl's grandson, Tlotzin, begins a more definite desire to introduce agriculture to the Chichimec way of life. Tlotzin, who was the first mixed-race leader whose mother was a descendant of the Toltecs, Tlotzin showed a genuine interest in modifying the nomadic and hunting lifestyle of his people. However, despite his interest, it took several generations for the Chichimecs to finally include agriculture as part of their lives. The definitive change happened during the reign of Kinansin. Still, despite his efforts, he could not avoid opposing forces and the final division of his own people that led to some groups to leave and head north. A major factor that propelled a significant cultural leap in the Chichimec's world happened in the year of 1327, when from the Mixtec provinces, 
the Tlalutlaquis arrived. The Tlalutlaquis were experts in pictographic books or painted books, and they also introduced to the Chichimex their god, Tezcatlipoca. Of course, the arrival of these migrants filled the void left by the separatist groups and contributed to the acceleration of different cultural developments. Around the same time, there was a second group that arrived at the area, the Chimalpaneks, who brought with them and advanced agricultural knowledge. After that, the Chichimex began to grow and grow. And other migrant groups came for help and refuge, knowing that the Chichimec rulers were opened to welcome other cultures that could enrich them with knowledge, resources, and labor that in time made the Chichimex stronger and powerful. However, to be honest with you, I do not think that this legendary Xolotl is the same character of our story. The first clue is that Tezcatlipoca came to be known by the Chichimex only after the year of 1327, when the Tlalotlaques introduced the Chichimex to him. So, our legendary ruler led a nomadic group of people that at the time only worshipped the sun and Mother Earth. So, this can't be our Xolotl. My suspicions lay on the second Xolotl, who was a Tepanec ruler called Tesosomok. Tesosomok called himself Xolotl, claiming direct ancestry from the legendary ruler. Do you remember that the legendary king sponsored marriage alliances with the first migrant groups that came? And that he gave to the leaders of some of those tribes his daughters in marriage? Well, Tosusomok claimed that one of Xolotl's daughters was his ancestor. And yes, Tesosomoc had intentions of expanding and creating the Tepanec Empire. Thus, he began to wage war against his other Chichimec neighbors. In theory, he achieved what he had hoped for. But when he died, his descendants began to fight over the throne. And this chaos became an opportunity for the Aztecs, who were joined by other two groups, and together dethroned the Tepanics and began the legendary Triple Alliance, and with it, the Golden Age of the Aztec Empire. So to me, whoever told this story told it with a veil of nostalgia for what the Chichimex of the legendary Xolotl had accomplished and what a foolish king dared to gamble just to have more. 
Very well, friends. This is all for now. My name is Carolina Quiroga Stoltz. In Tres Cuentos at a Time advises you to look closely into historical events. You'll see how they tend to repeat over time, like a pattern that we do not know how to break through. Next time, the dispute of two gods will almost destroy the Kai Pacha, the Andean world. Until next time, Tres Cuentos at a Time is an exercise of creative writing, researching, and retelling. This podcast was produced, recorded, and edited by Carolina Quiroga Stoltz. Proof listening and proof reading by Don Heimel. The music and sound effects were downloaded from the YouTube audio library and freesound.org. List of credits. Ethnoamerica. Freesound.org. New Order. Aaron Kenny. Tribal War Council, Doug Maxwell, Media Right Productions, Saumeo Orchestra Mix, Doug Maxwell and Zach Zinger, Face Off and Grave Matters by Kevin McLeod, City Plaza, Gaia and Fog, Leoforos Alexandras by Dan Bodan, Ghostly Music, Paco Sanchez, and Funeral March by Chopin.